Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 129. This is Dave. This is Barry. And Ethan has the day off. Good on him. We all need breaks occasionally. I'm sure we'll be taking some breaks around the holidays. Oh, yeah. Definitely around Christmas and New Year's and maybe around Thanksgiving. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it But this is our out. month, man. This is my month, at least. Mm. I love October. This yeah. is all about Halloween, about monster movies. and Oh, yeah. Especially if I get to go turning. Cover, cover that uh, horror film festival. We'll see how that goes. Oh, that yes. Could be interesting. That yes. could be interesting. We'll see what happens there. Um, but first, let's go ahead and talk about what we watched this week. Would you like to go first? Sure. All sure. right. Um, I finally got around to seeing Date Night with uh, Steve Carell and, and Tina Fey, and I totally agree with Ethan. This is just a totally, uh, completely expendable film. It's uh, it's completely unessential. It's pleasant and amusing at times, but uh, other than Mark Wahlberg's shirtless self, there's nothing about this movie to recommend. <laughs> amazing cast. Like, it's got Mila Kunis, James Franco, Mark Ruffalo, Kristen uh, Wiig is in it. Um, who plays the bad guy? Ray Liotta. Like, amazing cast. Completely wasted. Um, it's directed by Sean Levy, who gave us the uh, Night of the Museum films. Wow, if that's not the pedigree you need, I don't yeah, know what so is. I, I don't know if comedy just isn't his thing, but yeah, I, you know, he's, he always assembles these great casts of great comedians, and he doesn't know quite what to do with them. So, Bummer. Kind of a shame. Uh, saw Mystery Team. This is one that Marty threw my way. Yes. Wonderful film. Is it? Wonderful. Okay. Oh, it's wonderful. It's, is uh, it on Watch Instantly, or do you have to? No, uh, Marty actually got me the, the DVD for it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If, I, I don't might know have to get it from you. Netflix, but yeah, it's great. It's Can I get great. it from you? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely loan that to you. It's, uh, Absolutely. I'm trying to think. I mean, the best way to describe it, it's, you know, Encyclopedia Brown today. You know, it's like these guys who are like our age and they're still running around solving these like Nancy Drew level mysteries. But when a real mystery comes along involving a murder, they don't know what the heck to do. And it's just like them, you know, being in these really gritty, gritty situations, but like, you know, trying to reason the way out of it with the minds of like 10 year olds. It's great. It's a really funny <laughs> idea. And they totally take it to the hilt. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend Mystery Team. Nice. Um, saw a really creepy one last night. Um, it's not good, but, it, but I don't think I'll forget it. It's called Afterlife. It's with uh, Christina Ricci and Liam Neeson. Uh, Christina Ricci wakes up in a morgue, and uh, Liam Neeson's the Undertaker telling her that she's dead. And the whole <laughs> film, you're wondering if she really is dead, and he's like this this creature, this being that can like communicate with her, or if it's all a hoax and you know she's really not dead. He's just trying to make her think that. So. You know, and the mystery is intriguing. Like, it really kept me guessing until the very end of the movie. But it's it's a really typical horror film. A lot of real typical horror movie stuff. Justin Long is in it. And he's as out of place in it as he was in uh, Drag Me to Hell. He, horror is just not his thing, you know. So, I can't say I recommend it, but uh, creepy. I won't forget it. Creepy, but okay. not a good movie. Fair enough. And then, uh, finally, uh, finally got around to seeing uh, Michael Hanukkah's uh, The White Ribbon. How is that? Uh, I think the word masterpiece applies. I really do. Really? Yeah. It's it's long and it's slow, and you, and I think people need to be prepared for that. Um, it takes its time telling this story and really getting you to to be acclimated to the characters, the tone. Um, but by the end of the movie, I really grew to be very fond of all the characters, even the really sick and weird ones. And the movie presents a mystery, and it doesn't give you a solution. You basically are kind of walking away with whatever your interpretation is of the film. And I think the more I see it, the more I'll take from it. And this is the first film of Hanukkah's I think I will see more than once. Okay. Unlike Funny Games and Cache and some of those <laughs> other really jacked up movies. This movie is very disturbing at times, but it's it, I, it never felt gratuitous. And unlike his other films, it didn't feel like he was trying to hurt me. Okay. So, but I, I love it. I could see why it won uh, the Palme d'Or. I could see why it was up for uh, for Best Cinema Photography at last year's Oscars. I mean, I'd say it's up there with like Manhattan and Schindler's List being like some of the most gorgeous black and white photography I've ever seen. But anyway, wow. yeah, White Ribbon's a terrific film. Very cool. Right on. Well, I guess I'll start off. I finally saw. I, I got to see uh, Social Network this weekend. Finally, huzzah! 
Really liked it. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't know that's the best movie of the year, as much as I really would love to say it is. Uh, it's a great score. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Trent, yeah. yeah Trent the, Reznor had the that Reznor in Reznor and, yeah, yeah. And, and Atticus the, the Ross. The other guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome score. Yeah. And the, the performance, it's a very solid movie. I don't want to take anything away from this movie because it's very special. It doesn't flinch away from its treatment of any of those characters. The only person who's in a complete dick in that movie is Andrew Garfield's character. <laughs> Everyone else is some kind of jerk. And... Apparently, so you've read the book, and apparently it treats them with a bit more kid gloves, or yeah, I felt that the book was much uh, harsher in the way they portrayed the characters, and I you I, felt the book was harsher. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, the book I felt uh, well, you know, the book makes even the the Andrew Garfield character kind of like he, you could feel that he, it's not told towards the end that he kind of pulls out of this lifestyle of excess, but even the beginning, I mean, you could he's kind of becoming addicted to the whole thing that Zuckerberg is of you know like having the women be accessible and the lifestyle gotcha. and the privy the privileges of of you know of being famous and whatnot, but uh, yeah, but no, I mean they're both they're both really unflinching, especially in having Zuckerberg be like. You know, this something could you've gotten anyone better? Either. Something of a monster, yeah. Eisenberg is very impressive. Jesse Eisenberg movie. became a new actor in this movie, as far as I'm concerned, because usually he's you know people confuse him with Michael Sarah. That's the running gag. Poor guy. And I think he pulled something out that I don't know that Sarah ever could. I don't know. Well, you know, I it's, wanna... not, it, it's nothing he's done yet. I'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Sarah hasn't done this kind of thing yet. No, but no. Eisenberg is great because I mean, this is a very tough role. It's a really tough role, and it's got the rapid fire dialogue up front. It, it's a very specific character. There's a very specific way to play him, and, it, and you know, and you could say it was within Eisenberg's range before. But I mean, he really—it's like taking every character he's played and essentially suck the soul out of him. You know? Yes, because this is—I mean, he is—he is certainly a villain, but there is something really sympathetic about him, and I think that's why you, you can't keep he take your eyes off. Mean to be a jerk, it, it just happens. He's that just way. very good at it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and people are getting in the way of his dream and his ambition and his brilliance. So, like, why not just step all over the people who are in his way? So, it, the one thing I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have listened to the review because all I could think through the whole movie was brownface. Oh, for Pete's sake! <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get back to that. But uh, no, I like the, the film a lot. I thought yes. it wasn't Timberlake great. He was really good in it. Yeah, yeah. He played that smarmy, slimy. You, there's no reason why you should ever trust this guy, kind of yeah. guy. And yes, does remind me of other individuals. <laughs> Yes. Just leave it at that. Other people we've run into in life. Yeah. I, wow, but it's really good. But you I, know something, that, and I appreciate you bringing this up too, Dave. Like I, I think uh, something uh, my friend uh, and colleague Robert Dennerstein, uh, film critic out here in Colorado, said recently was that, you know, I don't think we've seen the best picture of the year yet, and I hope he's right. I don't think so. There's a lot of really interesting stuff coming up. And I wouldn't be surprised to see my favorite movie of the year coming out of out of the film fest. I wouldn't be surprised either. Right. Yeah, it just seems like there's there's so many great films coming up in the last few months. I think we'll probably stumble upon it because it, you know, because right now it's like okay, I'll just say Inception, Inception, yeah. and Cyrus, and just a few of those. But uh, yeah, I think I think we still got some great stuff coming up. Yeah, and I'm, I forgot to plug in my laptop, so I'm gonna do it. So everyone's gonna hear this glorious little beep because I'm not gonna edit dun, dun. it out. Here we go. Oh no, no, it's not, it's it's more annoying than that. Yeah, there it is. Oh wow, thank oh, you. Yeah, that, that's that's hey, you plugged in power, so your battery's not gonna die. <laughs> Huzzah. Sounds All right. like a tow truck being backed up. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, moving on, uh, bought the Grindhouse Blu-ray for 18 bucks over at Ultimate Electronics. That's a good deal, 18 bucks. Yeah, everyone else had it for like 25 so... I was quite happy. It looks so good on yeah. Blu-ray. Like, all the digital... F- uh, yes, it's still scratched and grainy. It's just in better detail. Mm-hmm. So much fun. And it has extended trailers for almost all of them, but Thanksgiving, I think, is the only one that doesn't get an extended trailer. I don't think you needed to add anything no. to that trailer. I think yeah. that trailer says it all. But what's interesting is that there are commentaries for all of them and making of for just about all of them as well. Sweet. Have you listened to those yet? Yes. Yeah, very good. Edgar Wright's is hilarious because he's just like, 
this is a tribute to all the, the, the great foreign horror films that came to the U.S. and had really crappy trailers. That's what Don't is. So, and I'm going to be making some drops out of the Don't trailer because there's fun stuff that we can use in Heck yeah. relation to, you know, if you're thinking of seeing this movie, don't, you know, when it comes to, you know, Land Rome or something like of that. Of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to save that one for last because it hurts so bad. Okay. But South Park is back. And it is, wow. If you like NASCAR, stay away from this week's episode. Because Cartman, it's the, the episode starts with Cartman crying in front of his locker. And Stan and Kyle come over. What, what's wrong? I, I'm just so sad because I'm never going to achieve my dream. I'm just never going to achieve my dream. Well, what's wrong? What is it? And I want to be a NASCAR driver. Well, you can do that if you want to. Look at me. Do you seriously think that someone like me can be a NASCAR driver? I'm not poor enough or stupid enough to be a NASCAR driver. Jeez. And it just, oh. The do you think we have any NASCAR fans who listen to the show? I don't know. I'm, you know, personally, I think it's, you know, it's the left-hand turn league. I mean, in many ways, it brings up some good points because you drive straight, turn left, drive straight, turn left, drive straight, turn left. But the funny thing is that they keep the mockery of NASCAR strictly to Carmen and poor Butters. Butters is my favorite character on that show now because he just has this innocence and gullibility to him. He's just so likable. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in an attempt to become stupider and poorer, he gives... Butters his $58 and change in a giant water bottle and says, get rid of it, I don't want it anymore, and I have to become stupider. So Butters thinks NASCAR fans are stupid, so he goes to a press conference at the mall or something, you know, this appearance, he's like, I know you people are all poor and don't have enough to eat or anything, so I, I bought you $58 worth of food and blankets. Enjoy! And walks away. Interesting. <laughs> because he takes this misinformation, does the yeah. sweetest thing with it. With the stereotype, yeah. Yes, and then Cartman, in an effort to get stupider, is trying to hang upside down to let blood rush to his head and sees a commercial for Vagisil that says that you might experience memory loss, so he starts, you know, like how you dip chewing tobacco? He starts dipping Vagisil. And I, I, that joke goes places. I'm just going to leave it. That's cool. Well, I'm glad it started off with a with a bang this season. Yeah. Well, the second half of the season. I think we're still in the same season. Oh we yeah, got, that's like, six right. Episodes. You're the- right. You're right. Yeah, that's right. They do have those two part seasons. Yes. Yeah. And then finally, sometimes you know I come across all these Blu-ray deal- deals, and I got this deal. It was two movies for ten bucks. Two mm-hmm. Blu-rays. Ten bucks shipped from Newegg. Got Kung Fu Hustle mm-hmm. and Jet Li's The One. Oh gosh, I've seen The One. <sighs> I was thinking, hey, I got ten gone for five bucks a piece. I prefer to now think of it as I got Kung Fu Hustle for ten bucks and got the one for free because that's about what it's worth. Hmm. Uh, this movie tries really hard to be like Minority Report or Demolition Man and fails miserably. I felt bad for Delroy Lindo and Jason Statham being in this movie. I felt and bad Carla for Gugino. Carla Gugino. Yeah, yeah. Completely wasted. Oh, completely. Everyone's wasted in that movie. Jet Li, just uh. you know, even like I mean, the whole thing was about Jet Li. Watch him beat himself. There's a soundbite for you. But, like, <laughs> it, it's not worth it, you know? The scene itself no. is no good. And, uh, yeah, the whole concept of, like, the dimension, different dimensions, different selves, it goes nowhere. It was such a, such a stinker of a film. Oh, it's so awful. Yeah. Don't watch that movie. Once again, if you're thinking of seeing this movie, don't. Yeah, the one's a... <laughs> what a stinker. It came out, yeah. like... Let's see, was it 2001, I think? 2000, I think it's 2001, but like, in any case, it came out like after The Matrix, so it's one of these movies that like, like try to really capitalize on that kind of style, and it just was not Failed. happening. It was a failure on every level, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the ones... Yeah, it's funny, like, he's like one of these guys, like, you know, he was so amazing as the bad guy in Lethal Weapon 4, and like, he has a really, really long, extensive filmography, I think in China, but like in America, most of most of Jet Li's American movies, like Romeo Must Die and Cradle to the Grave, they're pretty bad for the, the most part. The only American movie that I loved, and I know we're split on this, is Unleashed. 
Yeah, not a bad movie. I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll be nice to that one because uh, good, I think it's his best performance. Good performances, yeah, and some good. It's an interesting film, and it's a very different film. Yes, because um, I know people have said like, oh, they love the Forbidden Kingdom. I love the fight between Jet Li and Jackie Chan. <laughs> the the fighting they have, the fight scene they have in that movie is fantastic. The movie itself, I didn't think it was any good. Okay, so I, I missed that one. And Jet apparently, Li. I didn't miss anything. So. And he was wasted in the Expendables, but yeah, well, that was the Jackie Chan role. That's why. Exactly. So yep. okay, yep. let's go ahead and talk about what hit movies this past weekend. All right. Well, we talk about two of them finally. Yay! Yeah. Let's see what do we got here. All right, uh, Life as We Know It. This Cat. has been getting. Did you read the Ain't It Cool review from Capone? Mm. Oh, he brutalized this thing. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Specifically, Catherine Heigl. It's ain't it cool. Like, like they're gonna love this movie. Yeah, this is the Josh Dumal, Catherine Heigl movie. Man, Catherine Heigl can act though, so it's a shame that like she's doing the Turned gender into box office poison. She's, well, her movies are doing well though. That's so sad. You know, they're doing well. That's the thing. Like, she's becoming Jennifer movie Aniston. Movie poison. Okay. Well, like, like she's doing these bad movies that somehow like people go to. Like, why did anybody go see The Ugly Truth? That was one of the worst films of its year. Yeah. Anyway. Um, also in release, uh, Secretariat, um, which did okay over the weekend. I thought it, I thought it was going to be number one. I did too, because every time I, we've gone anywhere, like my folks went to see it this weekend, and they did a Friday at one thirty in the afternoon matinee, and it was packed. Yeah, I know people love this film, so I'm really surprised it didn't do better. Um, it's kind of a funny story with Zach Galifianakis and uh, Emma Stone. Not yes. Emma Stone. Yes. Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Sorry, Emma Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Open a limb release. And then uh, finally, the new film from Wes Craven, My Soul to Take in 3D, which I've seen. I'll talk about that in a sec. Um, in limited release, you got the remake of I Spit on Your Grave, which uh, Roger Ebert gave a glowing no-star review. Did he? Which I, I thought it was... You know what? I'm proud of him. His review for this movie and his review for Kick-Ass, two of my favorite reviews of the year. I like it when he goes against the grain. I really do. Also in limited release, uh, Nowhere Boy. This actually premiered at the Maui Film Festival this year. Nowhere Boy about the early years of John Lennon. And then Tamara Drew, a sexy comedy with Gemma Arterton, and it was directed by Stephen Frears. Stephen Frears did The Grifters, my favorite John Cusack movie movie cool um but yeah i've seen my soul to take and you've seen secretariat so well we buried can... expanded as well what's well, that come out here buried ex- got an expansion but... yes buried's playing in denver now yeah yeah i wish to play down here but yeah oh well we'll probably get it i mean it's you know pretty popular film yeah well um which one do you want me to do first it's kind of a funny story or secretariat oh yeah just start with secretariat okay secretariat you know i i hate being wrong but i'm never afraid to admit it when we did when we, when I did my review of Extraordinary Measures, I called it cinematic comfort food. I was wrong. Secretariat is the goods. It is real cinematic comfort food. Hmm. Extraordinary Measures is cinematic comfort food. Like if you were to go to the country buffet, you know, you know that that cafeteria buffet kind of thing. Like it's food. Okay, whatever. It's low rate. Okay, so it's- Secretariat is the okay. goods. Secretariat is is really like it's not phenomenal, but it's a really solid story, and they find a way. Disney just has this track record with their sports reality movies, whether it be The Rookie, Miracle, Invincible, this. They they take a story and just do that tuck at your heartstrings kind of movie, but do it well. Uh, they get top-class actors in it. They get great cinematographers. Some of the, the cinematography during these races looked great. It almost looked like they were strapping a, a camera underneath the horse. Wow. And it just looked amazing. It's beautifully shot. It's wonderfully directed. John Malkovich is allowed to shine some, but you know it's a PG movie, so it's he has to be restrained somewhat. But he's great in it. Um, who else is? In I've this heard movie? Diane Lane. Diane is Lane is really good. There is one problem I have with the movie, and it does revolve around Diane Lane's character. Okay. Essentially, her dad, uh, played by oh, Daggummit. How, how do I keep forgetting? Scott name? Glenn. Scott Glenn. Scott yes. Glenn. Um, mom dies, then dad kicks the bucket afterwards. Shortly thereafter, and she's stuck running the farm. 
And instead of it coming across like I need to stay out here and, and take care of this thing for my family, you know, the, the family, this family heirloom essentially, you know, this thing that my parents really cared about, I care about. It turned into, it played this way. I'm going to abandon my f- husband and daughters and family and stay out here and take care of this. Hmm. Which is, that's the one misstep I can really point out in this you movie. didn't think that was very believable? No, yeah, well, apparently it's not what happened. Apparently oh. the family was far more supportive and stuff, so, <laughs> yeah. So more drama this way. Yeah, well, yeah, and it just came off kind of, yeah, a jerk move. But she is really good in it. She has a lot of heart in it, and she she plays with the big boys and, and doesn't back down, and it's it's just so much fun. Cool. Yeah, it's I like Dying Land. It's something you can take literally everyone in your family to. There's nothing that I can think of that's that's really offensive in this movie, and in this case, it's actually a good thing. Nice. So yeah, oh, great. Why don't you tell me about Salt My Soul to Take? Oh, God. <laughs> that uh, good, huh? Uh, it's a disaster. It's a total disaster. Um, this movie was called Twenty Five Eight when it was filmed, I think, two years ago. Um, and I know Craven apparently had it locked August of last year, so. I think the studio clearly knew what they had, why they haven't been releasing it all this time. Uh, the story, such as it is, is about a serial killer <laughs> who possesses the soul of somebody, and the soul continues to possess the spirits of the seven kids who were born on the day I think the serial killer died. Anyway, the story is so convoluted. Like, I could barely explain it. And even as I'm thinking back to the movie, I could barely understand what I was seeing. But, you know, that that's all second to none. Uh, this movie is one of the most unintentionally hilarious films I've seen in, in a long time. Really? Um, I wouldn't compare it to, like, The Happening, because, I mean, The Happening took itself so seriously. Now, for me, this is like, this is to horror what Old old Dogs was to comedy. It's just, it's so, <laughs> so hysterically funny and so hysterically bad that, like, I recommend everybody who wants to see it to see it, because, really, you, you all bad movies should be this funny. Um, it, it kind of goes back and forth between being unpleasant and ugly and just being so freaking hilarious. And this is a minor spoiler territory, but Dave, just to give you an idea of just how idiotic this film is, um, I'm oh, gonna, please, I want to yes. spend just a, just a minute uh, thinking about this movie more than Wes Craven clearly did. He wrote this film, by the way. This is the first film he's written since Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is so disappointing. But anyway, there's a that. scene in the film, scene in the movie where... Um, a character played by Denzel Whitaker shows up. Denzel Whitaker is playing not only the one African American in this entire town, not only the token black guy, but is his name token? No, no. But get this—he's the blind token black guy. He's blind, but, but you know everybody loves him because he's the blind token black guy. But okay, like I could forgive the movie for that. But then, wow. like, there's a scene late in the movie, and you know, some minor spoilers here. But there's a scene where uh, our hero, the main character thinks there's a bad guy in his closet. He opens the closet, and there's Denzel Whitaker, and he falls to the ground. And Denzel gives this five-minute monologue about, you know, keep in mind, he's blind now, how he climbed up the side of the house, climbed through the window, wrestled with the killer, the killer stabbed him, and then Denzel hid in the closet. This all happened in within a space of five minutes, and never mind that this character is blind, and it wouldn't even make sense, A, that he would, like, you know, climb up the house and, and you know, have those abilities – and two, that he would know that it was a serial killer because, after all, he's blind. Who, you know, it could be anybody. Yeah. Okay, but, you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm willing to kind of go with it. But here's the thing that just killed me. Um, a few minutes later, the actual serial killer shows up. I won't reveal the identity, but the actual serial killer is talking to the young hero. And it's a bit of like, you know, a bit of evil business they're going through. And the killer suggests that he blame, like, I got like, here's a way we can get out of this. The killer tells the main hero, how about we pin like all 17 of my murders on the dead blind kid. <laughs> Think about that for a second. <laughs> this is an idiotic film. It's so idiotic. 
Um, the, it's in 3D. And, you know, it's it's not the worst 3D I've seen. Like, the 3D for the first 20 minutes are quite good. Uh, you get some really nice atmospheric fog coming at you. There's an ambulance crash, and the ambulance, like, comes right at your head. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's not terrible 3D, but it's it's also, like, you know, it's, it's almost unessential. And I think they probably made it 3D just simply because they can add to the box office gross. But as as this weekend's tally kind of shows, audiences are already very rightfully turning their turning their backs on this one. This This movie is... You know, and I love Wes Craven, and I'm not one of those guys saying like, "Well, Wes Craven never had it," or "This just shows he's like gone." Or no, this is this was a big mistake on his part. But uh, I don't think it's a career killer. I just think it's definitely one of the worst horror films I've seen all year. And there's been there's been a lot of bad horror movies this year, but yeah, this one it almost completely takes the cake. Um, wow, seven million for the week. Ouch. I will say there is a scene in the movie though that is so unintentionally hilarious that everybody needs to find it and just see the movie for this reason when it comes on DVD or theaters if you're lucky. There is a scene where the main guy, the hero, he's this really awkward nerdy guy and he gives this he gives this like this I can't I don't even know what kind of class it is, but he basically like gives this presentation talking about the California condor and he has his best friend dressed like this huge overgrown bird. And the bird has been fitted with the means to vomit and defecate on the classmates. And the scene is supposed to be funny, but it play they play deadly serious music during the scene. And it's one of the many scenes in the movie where they can't like pick a pick a discernible tone for it, so it's just embarrassing. Um, but it's it's the best kind of embarrassing. I mean, it's it's hysterically funny. Um, yeah, my soul to take is. I mean, the only word I can think of is it's a disaster, a disaster of a film. Ouch, ouch. So. I did hear one very interesting thing about life as we know it. Um, once again, Capone was on the, the a set visit for T- Transformers 3, which, big whoop. But he ended up talking to Duo Mellon. He's like, this is my best role ever. Like, really? Well, life as we know it or Transformers? Yeah, yeah no, oh, okay. no, life as we know it. He's like, really? Well, it's way better than uh, When in Rome. I'm like, okay, dude has a sense of humor about himself. I can respect that. Gosh. <laughs> At least he recognizes that. Josh Dumas. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about what hit theaters. What, well, what's hitting we, DVD this Did we week? talk about it's uh, kind of a funny story? Oh, we didn't. We yeah. didn't. Yeah, what'd you think of that? The, the easy joke would be that it lives up to its name, but I don't think that's really fair to the movie. <laughs> this is actually a... This is... Oh, man. You know, back in the 90s and 80s, we had like the Julia Roberts movies that were just kind of like... They were fun, kind of light comedy, just a good time, just a solid film. It's a good bit of escapism for a while. That's what this movie is. And I mean that in all the good ways, not putting down those kinds of films. So it's like Dying Young or it's like Pretty Woman? Oh, man. <laughs> or would it. you say Steel Magnolias or is it not uh, on oh, that level? Or? It's, it's really interesting. It's There are parts of it that really bugged me, but, the, but overall I really enjoyed it. The story's about this kid who essentially feels like he wants to kill himself, so he goes to the ER gets checked in and for some reason the teen ward is closed for cleaning so they're putting all the teens in with the disturbed adults and he has to stay there for a week okay Zach so like a, kind of a sitcom setup it totally is oh this is this has got sitcom written all over it hmm. but there it, but it, it works for the most part Zach Galifianakis is one of the inmates there um, if you want to call him that whatever okay who's kind of his guide and it's I'm going to agree with the mass worm over at Eddie, over at Annie Cool. I really tend to agree with him, but this is spot on. If you have a problem with people making light of mental illness, don't watch this movie. <laughs> if you can get past the fact that you know what, they're just a bunch of crazy loony fun kids, you know, people in there, then you're going to enjoy the movie. It's it's a good time. He ends up meeting up with Emma Roberts, and they hit it off and whatever. And I think I had the pro- biggest problem with her character regarding the mental illness thing because it's very clear she's messed up. She's got marked up wrists. Her cheeks are scratched up. I mean, there's, the girl's got some problems. Yeah. 
And the movie goes as far as to intimate that all she needed was a boyfriend and life's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, man. And all I could think... Wow. All I could think at the end of this movie was... When they break up, she's going to kill him and her, isn't she? <laughs> Spoiler alert. The real alert. ending of it's kind of a funny yes, story. Yes, but overall, it's a, it's a charming movie. It's a fun movie. It's you know people finding themselves, and it, it's a good time. Now, I want to ask you this, Dave. There have been a lot of critics, uh, local critics, and some critics who like really love this film. They say, this is the dramatic breakthrough of Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis? Galifianakis, sorry. That's okay. Um, in many ways, it is. He, yeah. he plays it very straight for a lot of it. He kind of plays that crazy uncle. But he has some serious problems, and the movie, I think, is left pretty open as to what happens with his character at the end. They say something, but it can be taken two different ways. Mm. And he has a very strong performance. This isn't The Hangover. This is him doing a pretty solid, dramatic performance overall. He's kind of the mentor for the kid. So you could see him doing more roles like this? I would love to see him do more serious roles, because I think he's got it in him. He's got the chops to do it. Cool. I definitely do. So, all right. Yeah, it's it's worth checking out, but with those couple caveats. If you have a problem with the whole mental illness thing kind of being trivialized, just skip it. So it's like the dream team or uh, trying to think Less what goofy. else. Less goofy people. and better, but yeah. 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 Okay. So what came out on DVD and Blu-ray? Or what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray this week? Uh, let's see. This week you got How to Train Your Dragon. As I've said before, great dragons, lousy people. See for the dragons. Uh, Dollhouse Season 2. Just love to see that, I guess. Yes, the Wild Wild West of the Year, Jonah Hex, starring Josh Brolin and uh, actress who will not win an Academy Award in our lifetime or in this universe, uh, Megan Fox, as well as John Malkovich. Man, this has not oh, been his year. Oh, he's a new story I forgot about. Okay. Um, I Am Love, the Italian film starring Tilda Swinton, supposed to be one of the most visually stunning movies of the year. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, Wolverine X-Men, the complete series. Yes, Wolverine and the X-Men, it's, it's a really fun animated show. It, it, it plays along the lines of the 90s show that is very serious and very straightforward and really good. Good stuff. Uh, the Dar... The, the, let me try that again. The Darjeeling Limited. <laughs> Some titles are just a little harder for me. This is, of course, the Wes Anderson film with Jason Schwartzman, Owen Wilson, and... Who's the other brother? Adrian Brody. Thank you. Adrian Brody, sure. available now on Criterion. Good-looking movie. I bet it looks good on Criterion. Leaves of Grass, the film with uh, Edward Norton playing twins. Edward Norton is brilliant in this movie. Everything about the else about the movie is not so good, but definitely see it for Norton. Norton's performance is truly award-worthy. The Lost Boys 3, The Thirst. So if you thought the tribe left too many questions that were open, and if you really wanted uh, Corey back for some frog brother madness, you got Lost the Boys 3. Corey. This is, oh, that's so sad. It really is. It is, it is, because Corey Haim's a good was a good actor. The Magician, available on Criterion. This, of course, is the Igmar Bergman film. Hey, anything Bergman does is good. He-Man and She-Ra, the Christmas special. Really, I can't think of a better stocking stuffer than this film. I hope Julia is listening, because I want this movie in my stocking. That is He-Man and She-Ra, the Christmas special. <laughs> and that is it for this week. <coughs> Sorry, I had to cough. I was laughing so hard on that one. Sorry, my, my bad there. Have you right. seen it? It's good. No. Yeah, they bring Christmas to attorney. It's good. That's stuff. right. Yeah, and Orko yeah, finds even, the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, and I think they put even like put like like uh, some Christmas wreath around Orko. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm, there's just so many places to go with that. I'm not going to. I'm just going to be good with that. All right. Let's go ahead and talk some news. What have you got this week, sir? Well, uh, they've released not only the uh, title banner, which is interesting, but also the photos of the Thing remake. Excuse me, prequel. The Thing prequel, because you know, of course, it's got to be a remake, a sequel, or a prequel. But it's a prequel, and it opens up uh, April 29, 2011, and it stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And apparently, most of it is practical effects, which I really that that has me excited. If it was just all digital CGI crap, I wouldn't yeah. care. But and uh, if you've seen the banner, you'll notice yeah. right away. Yeah, it's, it's just called the Thing. 
Yeah, fair. That's a very interesting, interesting idea. And, you know, but but again, they are they're they're definitely pushing the the ties between this film and the John Carpenter film, which of course is a remake of the Howard Hawks produced film. So yeah, apparently trying to keep the score somewhat to to part of the. Uh carpenter feel i guess and yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see it's a, yeah it's interesting and it shows promise i mean just from the pictures i mean it looked kind of like that kate beckinsale whiteout movie that's what it kind of reminded me of but i haven't of course seen the monster yet yeah. um but uh i don't know this is one of these films i mean it sounds like they're trying to be so faithful and respectful to the original it's almost like well why even bother because the original is one of the best john carpenter movies so what's the point of even making it but yeah i'm sure we won't be talking about the thing later or anything either <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> all right that should be interesting, yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm not saying it's going to be good. I'm hoping it doesn't suck. Hoping it doesn't suck. You know, I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You know, she was a, a fan of our good friend Josh. So, uh, Well, Josh was a fan of her. Well, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, I did say it backwards. Didn't yeah, I? that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I don't think she liked me. You know, the, the restraining order was probably a pretty yeah, clear details. signal that she gave him. So. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on, hurry. Uh, Dan Aykroyd saves Ghostbusters 3. He jumps in and says, well, you know, we had some problems with the script, so we're going to go in and work on the script. And apparently he's going to do a bit of rewriting, but also reshaping. And what he said was really, really, I thought, encouraging, basically saying that Bill Murray isn't like, you know, storming off the project. In fact, uh, he felt that the the draft that was written by the office, by the writers from the office, was actually very promising. And he said that this is actually going to be a really great role for Bill Murray. There's just some things that need to be worked out and fixed, but it's looking good. And they're still on schedule to film i think sometime next year cool. with a 2012 release so yeah this You're is still hoping there's still hope for ghostbusters 3 which is which is great and i love that Ackroyd is you know actively participating in the shaping of the story which is you know very important yes um and then i'll just do my last two stories really quick uh season of the witch this is not the Donovan song, nor is it Halloween 3. No, Season of the Witch, the film uh, directed by Dominic Sena, the director of uh, Gone in 60 Seconds and the aforementioned Whiteout. Dominic Sena, uh, this is the film that he directed with Nicolas Cage involving a demonically possessed girl. This movie is actually now getting a release uh, almost a year, well after a year, it's supposed to open up. And this movie was made years ago, um, January the 7th, 2011. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah, so you know it's going to be great because it's got that that primo date. At least it's date. not the same day as One Missed Call. You know <laughs> that 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 would be kind of the death knell. Wasn't that like the second of January? Yeah, yeah but yeah, like exactly. It's like the same. It's the same essential dumping ground. And I I feel bad for this movie in a sense because I think what they were counting on is that you know Kick Ass and Sorcerer's Apprentice were going to be these huge hits, especially Sorcerer's Apprentice. I think everybody thought that was going to be a box office blockbuster. It deserved to make more than it did. I think. I think so too. I think so too. But now uh, because that movie's a flop, you know, it's kind of like you know, there's no momentum for this film. So they gotta gotta. It's either in theaters or straight to DVD. So. In January, you know what to do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or don't. And then finally, uh, The Dilemma, the comedy we've been lambasting on this show, uh, the new film. Directed well, I keep by... forgetting the title of because, oh, yeah, it's that yeah, one. Yeah, it's Dilemma. Yeah, it's, this is uh, Ron Howard, amazing cast. It's Vince Vaughn, Kevin James, but look, the ladies. It's Winona Ryder and Jennifer Connelly in this really cheeseball-looking comedy. However, uh, the trailer was pulled because it opens up with an extended gay joke. Um, and, and, you know... Just using the word gay in a really negative connotation, not like a, not an aggressive anti-homosexuality joke. But in any case, uh, the trailer offended enough people that the trailer has been cut, and now a new three-minute uh, gay-friendly trailer is now available for your perusal on YouTube and Yahoo Movies. So. Just don't know what to say about that. I really don't. Well, you know, I'm glad the the trailer is gay friendly, but is the movie audience friendly? Because it looks terrible. I think yeah. no, no matter no matter how you cut it, this looks like the worst thing Ron Howard has done since The Grinch. So, 
Ouch. Or the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Ah, it's been a, he's had a bad. Or run. the Missing. Yeah, it's been a last bad couple couple years. What? Or the Alamo? Did he do the Alamo? I thought so. I thought he was going to, but didn't. I don't think he directed that one. I could be wrong. Entirely possible. Wouldn't be think. the first or last time. I can't, well, you know, what? I'm trying to remember the, like the last movie he did that I freaking loved, and I think I'd have to go back to like the '90s with like you know maybe the paper or Backdraft. Far this is away. the man doing the Dark, dark Tower series. Oh <sighs> yeah, there you go. That's kids. so sad. That 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 really worries me. Right I'm gonna, I need to quit saying that because it's like I'm jabbing a knife in the back of every Stephen King fan when I say that. Whenever I've said it to any Stephen King fans, they're like, "Well, I'm a big Stephen King fan, and I've read the first two books of The Dark Tower, which I thought were brilliant." And uh, I've read the first three are really good, and then it gets kind of weird. It's kind of weird, but you know that's okay. I mean, they, that's the nature of those stories. But yeah, it just you know, I'm I'm all for kind of weird. I just I think uh, Ron Howard is kind of wrong for this yeah. series. So. There you go. There anyway, you go. that's it for me. All right, uh, Emma Stone. A little update from last week's story. She is not in the role for uh, for Mary Jane Watson. She's playing with Gwen Stacy. This is the second time they've cast a redhead as a blonde. This just kind of doesn't make sense but at least we got two solid actors yes. involved and this is the director of 500 days of summer a movie i did not like but had a really distinct visual style so so far it's so looking far, promising despite my hate for it well you know it's just there's no no need for this movie this is another thing where it's just a cash grab or you know but who's to say you know maybe maybe there's a really great story here maybe there's real vision involved probably not but there isn't but you know it's worth it well we'll see we'll see but no I, th- this is a step in the right direction you know it could have been megan fox seriously yes. oh, you know? oh but instead they're actually going with two actors who are just starting to break out and just starting to you know show the world how talented they are and this is a filmmaker who you know i think people really want to see what his next film is going to be so but it's, it's spidey in high school right I think so, which is just whatever. I don't know. Will the Cullen show up? That's what I want to know. You know, the only thing that could be worse is if Zack Snyder was directing Superman. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Mm. Zack effing Snyder is directing Superman. Now, this this is where my rage kicks in. uh, Do you want me to read the article? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, or or quote the article. Let's put us in a good mood. Once again, from Ain't It Cool. It's not even so much that Zack Snyder's in it doing it. I think it's a completely wrong fit for him, completely and utterly. Um,. Let's see here now. They were saying that the story is going to be about Clark Kent being a journalist traveling the world trying to decide if he should, in fact, be, ever become Superman. It's another origin story. Strike one. Strike two, that doesn't sound like a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> and then the, the true, true sign of greatness for this film is that the reason they went with Zack Snyder as opposed to Darren Aronofsky is because they needed to get the movie made before they got blasted by the Schuster estate. Um, and they felt that, you know, hey, you know, Snyder's going to be willing to just make the movie as is and not worry about messing with the draft and making it better, with the script and making it any better or anything like that. So you know what this means? We're getting X-Men The Last Stand but Superman. Merry Christmas to us all. I think I've said this once before in the show, and I'll say it again. I feel the way about Zack Snyder. I'm just going to quote Chasing Amy. The guy's a tracer. He's not a director. <laughs> he takes pre-existing ideas, stories, or franchises. Tracer! He's a tracer! That's all he is. He's a freaking tracer. And, you know, Watchmen was admirable. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think there's a lot of good scenes in it, a lot of interesting things about it. But the best things about that movie were taken directly from the graphic novel. Same I don't thing think Zack Snyder doesn't have a vision. He's He doesn't have a voice. He's one of these directors for hire who loves slow-mo and he loves CGI. 
But uh, no, I, I don't think he's a good director, and I think he's. I think this is a huge mistake, and re- just rebooting this just to re- for the sake of rebooting it, it doesn't sound like there's going to be any any reason to do this. I mean, the complaint has been that Superman is just too earnest and too golly shucks gee whiz and too old fashioned to connect with today's audience. Today's audience loves Batman and Iron Man. They love the flawed, troubled, you know, psychologically damaged. I still think there's an interesting place villain. to go with Superman, and I agree, and I love Superman. But I wonder, like, can Snyder find that? Is no. he the guy to find no. it? It just doesn't seem like this is the guy. Aronofsky can find it. I think and, Aronofsky, and Aronofsky could. Aronofsky, to be fair, both Aaron, Duncan Jones doesn't have this problem because Duncan Jones, because Moon was a very positive, uplifting film about humanity, even though it was really messed up at the end. <laughs> I thought it was a very disturbing movie. It was, but, but but it found a, a way to find, you know, it didn't have this really messed up character who's just dark and gritty and just jacked and all that. No, you root for him. You root for the character. And Aronofsky's films tend to have characters who aren't all, who are, who are, who are the feet of clay type people, what would have been perfect to do Watchmen type thing. But I think that he is more than capable of finding that positive side of humanity. I think The Fountain showed that. The Fountain sure. shows that. The Wrestler shows that. Uh, you know, to a lesser extent, although it, I think it, it ultimately did have sympathy for its characters. Requiem for a Dream showed that. Yeah. No, they're, I, they're, I, they actually have a great... Both he and Duncan Jones have, have a grasp on humanity. I think that's probably the best way I can put it. Sure, sure. I think Zack Snyder has a grasp on, you know, uh, action figures and T-shirt spinoffs and, you know, <laughs> and CGI. No, I, I just – the guy has the technique. He just doesn't have the heart. And I, I don't think he – you need the heart, people. You know, r- the reason Richard Donner and uh, and Brian did such a wonderful job with, with, the, with Superman is because they they understand character and they understand the, the, the quality of story and – yeah, uh, I just I can't see this working. I really can't. Even if they come up with a great actor playing Superman, I just I can't imagine this working. Well, we move on to another happy story. They're doing Born Four, the Born Legacy. This time, guess who's not in it? Matt Damon. That's right. The character of Jason Bourne isn't showing up. I. <laughs> why are we calling it the Born? And it's not directed by Paul Greengrass. No, this is done by Tony Gilroy, Tony which is Gilroy. fine. I don't care, but it's just like it takes place in the Bourne universe. Who else in the Bourne universe do we care about other than no one. Jason Bourne? <laughs> no one. Because maybe Nikki, but well, she's not in it. She's term dead. Pressure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what was it going to be like? Julia Stiles running around with a gun? I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. this is like this reminds me of when they did what was it? That's what I was talking about. The Nikki. curse. Yeah, I was thinking of the person, the, the curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> when they call it Pink Panther, but you know, no Peter Sellers, no Pete, no no Clouseau. It's like the search for Clouseau. Yeah. Or you know. I mean, like, I don't go to a James Bond movie to not see James Bond. What's the point of seeing a Jason Bourne movie without Jason Bourne? This is this is Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass's baby. It, it seems like there's no point in doing it without them. And the third film closed the story. The trilogy is done. You don't need to keep going. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, this is a bad idea. Yes. Shall we move on to a couple of remakes that actually show some promise? Sure. Okay, they're both TV show remakes, but they both seem interesting. Brian Fuller who is responsible for the few really good episodes of Heroes, as well as Dead Like Me and Pushing Daisies, is in talks to partner with Guillermo del Toro to remake the Munsters. Interesting. That's a really interesting... Guillermo I can see del Toro doing the Munsters. I kind of like that. Yes. Did you read the rumor that Kristen Bell has been approached for a role? In that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and probably as Lily. That's the first guess. I'd heard of it. I, I didn't know that yeah, del Toro was doing it, though. And Brian Filler, you know, that's really just... I'm, that could be a lot of That's fun. That's interesting, yeah, because the Munsters, I mean, it was always a ripoff of the Addams Family, frankly. You know? It was, but it was fun. It had its own charm. It was fun. It had its charm, but, you know, it's not like one of the great pantheons of, like, horror comedy shows, but this uh, this sounds interesting. Yes. Yeah. 
And then the other thing, the reason that I had you sparked my memory is that Ron Moore, the creator of the remake of Battlestar Galactica, has been approached to do Wild Wild West as a remake as a TV show. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about how this could work. Well, you know, I think if we think back and remember the TV show, I think that sounds like a really cool idea because the original well, no, TV show has been watching it. Sweet, yeah. She, we've been getting the discs from Netflix, and it's a crazy it's good. fun show. It's I a good love show. That show. Yeah, if people remember that because if they think of the Will Smith film, and this sounds like a terrible idea, but yeah, the, the Wild Wild West, the TV show, is a lot of fun, really inventive, really crazy, and uh, you know that mixture of sci-fi and, and, and old Western motifs. Um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Well, I'm, that's yeah. Yeah, that'd be that, great. that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Yeah. So, all right, let's take a quick break. We're going to be talking about some Halloween picks. Yes, we're ripping off a deal for a, 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 a an idea directly from geekreaderdaily.com, but it's such a good idea, and we all have different, pa- different, different opinions about it. So yes. I, I, it's going to be fun, but we will be right back. Sue Ellen Greenblatt is a real person, not an internet celebrity. So we've enlisted Billy Flynn and the vicar to help her tell her story. Geek Radio Daily gives me geeky news about movies, new DVD releases, even comics and gaming. Geek Radio Daily makes me feel special. Ah, yeah. Womanly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the episodes are just 15 minutes, perfect for my commute, or for just geeking out while I'm at the office. Mm. All in one concise love package. Ooh, the package, baby. Uh Uh-huh. And the best part is that it's a daily cast, so I'm always in the loop. Sometimes I listen to it out of the bath, put on little outfits. Ah! It makes me want to invite all my friends over to show how refreshed I feel. Mm, a slumber party, baby. What? That's not what I said. Get out the chocolate mousse. Duct tape. Oh, get out of here, you freaks. Geek Radio Daily. One 15-minute podcast provides 15% of the USDA-recommended daily allowance of geeky goodness. Subscribe through iTunes or visit geekradiodaily.com. This is Corin Nemec, and you have tuned in to ScreenGeeks.com. Just because they're geeks does not mean that they're not cool. doesn't mean they are cool either, but, you know, it's left up to your imagination. And we are back this week. Um, yes, I am stealing from someone else, but this is this is a really fun idea. I, oh, I agree with you. I just think it's funny because, like, uh, I told you... Uh, Two weeks ago, I had to write a couple weeks ago for my my uh, graduate studies. The first major paper I had to write was a two page paper in plagiarism. So I love that we're just going and we're going to steal this idea from a website hey, we love hold and hold I, so I've dearly. I've given them ideas; it's all good. <laughs> hey, we love Billy Flynn. So, hey, we're just yes, we're just and taking, the Bruce and the Flynn We're just taking yeah, we're taking the ideas that they have. And we're running with it, and um, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll hear back from uh, whether we. Uh, Oh yes. Whether we did a, a, a justice what, what, to the Whether we're idea just or, tracers or, but yeah, yeah. Or if we're just a bunch of couple freaking tracers. Yes, yes so. exactly. Yeah. So and essentially, Zach the idea Snyder. that, ow, damn. <laughs> uh, the place I wanted to come for this from is, what if you're programming a Halloween night movie marathon, yeah. like two or three movies? You know, just just how we would program them for different kinds of crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any kind of staples that you watch every year? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because like one of the films I watch every year, I'm actually going to see this uh, Friday at the the Tivoli for a special Are, watching hour screen. I yeah, think about going is, with you to that. Yeah, let's go. Uh, it's Nightmares. It's an anthology movie. Came out in 1983. 
uh, could be cheesier, and it stars Emilio Estevez, and this is something that Will Wheaton, our favorite Will Wheaton, has yes. talked about a few times, this particular segment of the movie. One of the segments is called The Bishop of Battle, and it's about a young man who literally gets sucked into a video game, except unlike Tron, it's it's the results are terrifying. No, they're not. It's fun. It's so much fun. And the movie <laughs> itself, it also stars Lance Henriksen, and it's a lot of fun. So that's one I, I usually watch that every October. Um, I love anthology horror movies. Uh, like, if we were programming a horror movie uh, like a like a party or a festival for like fun Halloween movies. Um, I always throw out like the great anthology horror movies. I love Tales from the Dark Side of the movie with Christian mm-hmm. Slater and who's all who's all, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, Julian Moore, Deborah Harry, and uh, little Matthew Lawrence. Um, I love Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. A lot of fun. One of the segments was written by uh, Stephen King. The movie was produced by George A. Romero. It was directed by John Harrison. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun there. And of course, I'm a big fan of Tales from the Dark Side. I also love Creepshow. Can't mm-hmm. go wrong with the original creep yep. show. A lot of fun. Not scary, but a lot of fun. You know, and Stephen King, Romero, again, come uh, working together. And, you know, uh, the one I watch every year just because it, it makes me not only so nostalgic, but I think it's like one of the great animated specials, which is it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Nice. Um, I think there's some really profound insight in that. Uh, one of the great lines that I love is, uh, you know, politics religion and the great pumpkin three things we never talk about in mixed company um and you know it's something that's kind of scary but it's more fun but i tell you it scared me senseless the first time i saw it as a kid is the animated cartoon the disney film the legend of sleepy hollow oh yeah love yeah the ichabod crane yeah. love that yeah can't beat that uh you know and forgive me i'm probably stealing this from you but uh, i mean troll 2 can you imagine a oh, better yeah. halloween movie to watch with a <laughs> ra- group of people that's, than that's troll the fun, we'll, we'll get to the fun crappy horror yeah okay. for sure yeah when you say anthology would you throw a trick-or-treat in there i haven't seen it yet oh you haven't i've not seen it yet you've seen it yeah, i've not seen it yet but uh, it's on my it's on my netflix queue so hopefully see it <laughs> dun, dun, dun. so something yeah. i'm planning on seeing it sometime this month i've I purposely been waiting until october to see it so gotcha it's it's interesting it's a bit creepier a bit freakier um bloodier for sure but yeah it's, it's a good time i think cool. uh, if you were to okay i guess we can we'll just jump into the fun goofy stupid horror movies okay um you know troll 2 definitely has to be there because yeah. it's just so laughably bad it lives up to its its hype as the one of the one of the worst films ever made, and and you know I'd probably pair it as a double feature with Leprechaun in the Hood. Wow, Lep in the Hood, I've seen that. <laughs> Come on, well you know it'd be a heck of a fun night. I and I saw that movie ten years ago with with Marty. Uh, we watched it. We were house sitting a friend of ours, a house in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, and we threw it on one night and. I think the the scene that we really lost it was uh, there's a scene where Warwick Davis, you know Willow Upgood, Warwick Davis as a leprechaun, takes a hit of weed and goes, "A friend with weed is a friend indeed." Oh yeah, then there's a special version of Jesus Loves Me that they sing, and then there's the actual Lep in the Hood rap that the movie ends oh. with, and yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah, you're right. That's another movie that really does live up to everything everything you'd expect from it. Yeah, and this is, I would probably cap it off with, this is probably, this is such a diversion from the first two movies because it's way gory, but it's silly, it's stupid, and it's fun. I would put Dead Alive at the end of that. Hmm. Triple feature. Because it's, it's so goofy. If it's the right crowd, because it's a funny film. I mean, it, it, it has a really sick sense of humor, and it's, it's a dark comedy, I think, above all else. I would put, I would like compare it to like The Evil Dead. But Two. yeah, if, if it's the right crowd, <laughs> and it's later in the evening, and the party is still going, like I think that would be like the eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock programmer. Yeah, because I wouldn't start that at six. I think they would clear a room because <laughs> it's so disgusting. But no, that's a good choice. When he's walking the baby in the, in well, the it's park. such a it's a disgusting film. But I mean, like it, like it, it is really really funny. I mean, it, you know, it's one of the earliest films Peter Jackson did. And it's he the really greatest, has the greatest one liner of all time. I kick ass for the Lord. That's just one of the best lines ever. It's good stuff. Yes. Um, Something that I've run into is that Steph generally does not do horror, like truly scary horror. 
So I tend to go the suspense route with her. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would you program for something that's a little bit more suspenseful? Wait until dark, without hesitation. Uh, every time I show that to my students, they jump out of their seats. And this movie came out in, I think, 1968, 67. It's an old film, Audrey Hepburn. Um, but in terms of it being the woman trapped in the house where the bad guys are trying to get in, um, I don't think it's ever been topped. And it really does have one of the biggest shock scare moments um, I've ever seen in a movie. And it still it still holds up. Um, so, yeah, Wait Until Dark I think is a big one. Um, in terms of, of a, like a supernatural horror film, I would recommend The Others, the Nicole Kidman yeah, film. Yeah, that's, that's a good o- creepy movie without it being really scary. That movie makes me jump out of my socks, but it's not gory. And I, I don't think it's particularly offensive. And I think it's such a moving story. Um, that you could kind of overlook how it's really, really eerie at times. Yes. And, and I know one that we both like a lot, Robert Wise, is The Haunting. The cl- yeah. Classy, classy, yes. scary oh movie. You really don't even see much of anything, but it's still really frightening. Yeah, it, it's it's got it's dripping with atmosphere, yeah. that movie is. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you had the worst actors in the world, I think that movie would still have been at least passable. They just happen to get really good actors in it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, suspense. I like to try to change up the, the the tone of between movies. I think the Burbs has to be out there. The Joe Dante film. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just we're really jumping into something else. Bring, bring, bringing up the whole suspense thing because yeah. that is kind of the, the Hitchcockian suspense yeah. thriller type movie, but with that really fun edge to it that makes it worth. I yeah, it, it would be a good double feature with Rear Window, I think. Yeah, would you and not rather, disturb you? No. Oh, <laughs> that's the one. If you start it, it clears the room. Um, yep. Would you personally prefer to program via by a theme or by a director personally? I think theme is fun because I think with directors, like, you know, it's kind of like what, what we've done on this show and we've done like director series. Like sometimes they get a little, little like, okay, like another Wes Craven movie, you know? Because um, I think a theme is fun because you can stick with like, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be fun to go like, you know, with like great suspense films. You do something like Wait Until Dark and then The Birds, you know, and then like yep. kind of, you know, go or like Don't Look Now. Um, I think themes could cover more films because I think if you stick with the director, you might get, you know, let's I mean, face it. If you followed up the thing with a They Live, that could be really fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun because I think some some directors, a lot of the movies, like, they kind of feel the same. Fair enough. You know, unless you have one of those great directors like Hitchcock that have done such different types of films. True, true. What's a film that, like, if you were planning a scary Halloween party and you wanted oh, to show, like, like, a few of the scariest movies you could think of, what would you program? You know, I'd... Oh man, it it, it it depends on your really depends on your definition of scary. If, okay. if jump scares are what you want, that's one thing. If you're going psychological, okay, cheap jump scares, cheap jump scares, cheap cheap scares. Yeah, you know, I think Scream's actually a good pick. Yeah, because it also has a brain behind it too. But there are some yeah. great jump scares. If you wanted to follow, make that the the better movie of the two you're doing, then you start off with I know what you did last summer because <laughs> you want to talk about some cheap cheap jump scares. That's the only thing that movie's got going for it. And that's you know that's, those are good choices because those two movies, I mean, they're so they're similar. from the same era. Yeah, same. Well, yeah, like within a year of each other, and uh, you know they both have like the Kevin Williams and like stamp of like ironic winking at the audience, like we know it's a horror movie. Horror. Yeah, the thing would work. Yeah. But it's far more psychological. I mean, it's definitely known as more of a psychological film, but it's got some great scares in it. Well, too. yeah, it's really gross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really gross and gory. But yeah, yeah, the thing is terrific. And that's the thing. Okay. Are you much of a gory horror fan? Yes and no, if it's good. I don't like Hellraiser. I think no. Hellraiser is disgusting. I got forced to see that in college. Another one I watched in college just because it was inducted. Um, it was inducted to the Museum of Art as being like, uh, yeah, like a, the National Treasury of like a film that was considered very significant. And that was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm not a fan. I, I think it's an obnoxious film. But uh, um, no, like some like some I put on my list, like in terms of like scary horror movies, um, uh, Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery uh, really scares me, and it's really gory. But and it's a really 
mean-spirited, nasty horror film. It really goes for the throat, but I think that's one of the good things about it, and I think it really works in that sense. Um, and then Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder came out 20 years ago. That's one of the scariest movies I've seen, and, and parts, of it are, trip. parts of it are very hard to watch, um, but uh, I mean, I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant, it, but it will leave you just numb with how, how much it'll knock you around. It's a scary film. Yeah, I tend to stay away from a lot of the gory movies. I don't know why, but I just kind of do. I mean, you get to the, the Living Dead movies, but that's I really don't count those so much. Well, you know, they're not that good, you know? I mean, no, they're like, really not. A lot of those like, really, really gory, gory movies. I mean, like I think there's a reason that Child's Play, the original Child's Play, is a really good psychological film. The question is Chucky real? Is it all in the kid's head? Then you get to like, you know, the seat of Chucky where it's like, you know, it's disgusting and it's like there's this character isn't scary anymore. It's like, what what's he going to do next? You know, when it gets to the point where you're rooting for the villain, I think that's when the movies kind of, you know, they exist strictly for cheap thrills. Yeah. You know, yeah. when Jason is like, Jason like to, who's Jason X? Yeah. Who's Jason going to kill next? Yeah. I think that's when it's like, okay, like this guy isn't even scary anymore. We're just waiting for him to kill the obnoxious, you know, scandal. And, and, and Jason dressed. X really is. I, I love Jason X because it is that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No question. It's so goofy. I mean, when he kills the campers in the holodeck, in the sleeping bags. That is one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen on screen. Oh, it's great. It's great. The movie does it does have a good sense of humor about itself. I mean, it's such a cheese, cheesy film. But no, like like a lot of these horror movies, like you don't care about the humans. You just want to see the monster kill them all. Which is kinda of sad, but yeah. When it gets to that point, I think that's you know, that's one of the reasons that a Nightmare on Elm Street and Wes Craven's New Nightmare were so good because you love those characters and they're very well developed. A lot of the the sequels in between, a lot of the other lesser Freddy movies, you know, it's like okay, we can't wait for Robert Englund to show up. It's like who cares about any of these these loser teenagers? Yeah, yeah. It, I tend to go a lot more to the, to the classic horror though too. I mean, I'd throw Dracula in with any movie pretty much as as a great horror film. The Lugosi the, one, the, the Lugosi nineteen thirty four one, mostly because of Dwight Fry. Yeah, Dwight Fry is really, really scary. He's, <laughs> he's the most jacked up Renfield you'll ever see in your life. Oh, he's great. He really conveys that madness. Yeah, yeah, but I like. I'd love to program that and, and Frankenstein together, and then tra- top it off with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great idea. So you you've got like the the, the the two granddaddy of classic horror films. Then you got the movie that is a brilliant parody, but it's actually a really great horror comedy by itself. It is. And, and it has really, Lon Chaney Jr. I mean, yeah, you know, and it's got, exactly. And it's got like, it, it's almost, it's almost like the model for all the subsequent horror comedies like American Werewolf in London and Ghostbusters, you know, that, that perfect mix of scares and laughs. Are there, here's where I always, struggle coming up with this kind of stuff is sometimes I want to program a movie I love but I know no one's going to like it it's just it's going to go over like a, it's going to go over like a lead balloon and I'm scared student bodies would be like that no I think student bodies would go over pretty well at least for an hour because yeah. I, I think it I, I, that's a movie where like I think it's funny but even as someone who likes the movie I think it runs out of steam after about 60 minutes I think towards the end it forgets I, I think that the tone kind of wavers a bit and I know they had problems with uh with the director, and I think it's like it's directed by a like a pseudonym. It's not like the real director. I think like Alan Smithy is direct is, is credited as the director. <laughs> anyway, like I, I, that that that's a movie that I think would go over well because it really was like the original Scream, you know, mm-hmm. like or the original slasher movie comedy. Um, I don't know. The way they know. got their R rating is funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great gags in the film. I I just don't think it I don't think it maintains that strength until the very end. Um unlike Scary Movie, the original Scary Movie, which is raunchy and, and juvenile and crude, but I think it is from beginning to end. I think it's a pretty funny movie. It is. The first one is great. First I, yeah, I, I will only, absolutely yeah. defend the first Strictly one. Strictly the first Second one. Second one to an extent a little bit, but after that now. 
Oh, really? Because I think the second one was the disaster. I think the third one's actually pretty funny for the most part, and the fourth one is is hit and mostly miss. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, oh, yeah, yeah. So if someone here, – here's something I've always struggled with is how to program. Like if we're going to throw a party, if I'm throwing a party for, for a Halloween night or if I'm just you know programming for Steph and I one night, is the magic number two or three movies? I think three. Because okay. if the party's going really, really well, might as well just have a third one just in case people are going to stick around. If it's a double feature, then I think, okay, it's like, well – you know, something like a double feature with like you know a, a, a Treehouse of Horror thrown in there, yeah, in, the, in between them. That's a great idea because I think that'd be a great way to start. Like you start off a Treehouse of Horror, you start off with Great Punk with Charlie Brown, one of my favorites at Disney's Halloween Treat, or something like that. Like, like Mr. A, Boogity. Yes, Mr. Boogity. Exactly, The Return <laughs> of Boogity. Yeah, like one of those classic, classic, like you know, family-friendly monster movies. And then you go into something that's you know a little stronger, you know, or like even Abbott and Costello. And then you end it with like either something outrageous like Troll Two or something like really freaking scary. Yeah, so, yeah. Where yeah. where would you put the Monster Squad in all this? Monster Squad, I put that on pretty early because I think Monster Squad, you know, it's 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 the horror movie. It, it's like the Goonies as a horror movie. You know, I think it, I think it plays really really great. I would say Monster Squad would be a terrific double feature with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I was thinking that too. Yeah, because it's the the monster movie monster mashup. Yeah, and, yeah, and and obviously owes a lot to that film too. Yeah, so. you get all oh man, you know, you can even throw in. I'm going to throw around an obscure one. If you're doing Monster Squad and and Everton Costello meet Frankenstein. You could almost open the night up with Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Because a lot of people classic. have not seen that film. No, no one's heard of that movie, really. <laughs> and it's such a goofy movie. I mean, it's it's the least scary, scary movie I think they've ever it's made. Don Knotts, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has a few moments where it's kind of like creepy, but it's yeah, it's like the ultimate non-scary movie. I think. What's good to do that? Because I mean, let's face it. I mean, how many horror movies? I mean, like I've, I've been to so many like Halloween parties where it's like, okay, we're gonna watch The Exorcist, and then Friday the Thirteenth, and then John Carpenter's Halloween. It's like they always show the same crap, and then it's always the same movies that you know back when Blockbuster existed. Haha. When back, well, that's still like, around. It's well, on slash. It's like, like one yeah. or it's like one or two left. But like you know, it, it, whenever I would go there on Halloween to like rent a horror movie, like all the classics would be gone. I remember uh, when I was in college. A friend of mine and I, we went to like all the blockbusters trying to find Interview with the Vampire, and we could not find the freaking movie anywhere. Um, That's why I threw Session Nine out there. It's because it's not well known enough, and it's on streaming. Yeah. And that's that's a heck of a that that I think would could do really well paired up with Rosemary's Baby. That's cool. That's cool because there's there's not a lot of movies that actually do well paired up with Rosemary's Baby. So just the psychological aspect of it all. I mean, it goes a different place, but still, it, psychological that could be like that's that's almost. That's risky because, like, yeah. I think most people are really afraid of, like, psychological horror as opposed to something that's – I mean, like, because, you know, Paranormal Activity, that's a psychological <laughs> horror movie. People – well, you know, people either really respond to it or, or you know, they totally laugh at it. Like, the the only thrills that movie offers are psychological. You know, yeah. You know, it, it's like a double feature with, like, Blair Witch or Cloverfield. I was going to say, is there something better to pair up with Blair Witch because I would, there's no way to ever pair it up with Cloverfield Blair or – um, well, you know, there's one I show in class because it was like the first movie of its of that type, that horror mockumentary, which was The Legend of Boggy Creek. I thought um, you were gonna say the last, bi- the final broadcast. The last broadcast, the broadcast is broadcast. pretty, yeah, but the Tasmanian, think the Tasmanian Devil, the Jersey Devil, Jersey Devil. Thank you. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty good one actually. And there's one coming out called Troll Hunters. We probably heard yeah. about. It. It's supposed to be pretty good. But yeah, Legend of Boggy Creek. That's a cheeseball dated one, but it's about how Sasquatch is like stalking this cabin in the middle of the woods. It's fun. It's stupid and dated and cheesy and hokey, but it's fun. It's, I mean, it's a G-rated horror movie. What do you want? I, I really actually, you know, now that I think about it, I think uh, Behind the Mask would pair well, very well. Behind the Mask would be really good. One. I think that that's a little strong, though. You'd want to pair that up with, like, Scream, I think. Okay. Because it's it's a horror movie, but it's a horror comedy. So I think, you know, it, it's funny. Until but the it, end. Yeah, at the end it gets pretty, pretty, pretty freaky. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Oh, I need to buy that. I know it's on streaming, but I still need to buy it. I <laughs> well, love that movie. It's really good. It's really funny, really clever, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like it, they do manage to kind of switch over to being creepy at the end, and it works it very much works. so. Yes, absolutely. Um, this is pretty pretty quick topic, but that's okay. We've been rattling off how many. <laughs> well, good. Hey, movies. hey, I'm glad I can help you plan your Halloween parties. So. Yes, yeah. Well, we don't. We just like sit in and watch movies, but that helps me a lot. So, do you ever get trick or treaters? Um, not really. Not really, but that's all good. It's always too cold uh, at our place. Yeah, yeah. Usually around here on Halloween night, it's always like 30 degrees and snowing. Yeah. Which helps cut down on that. I hate that so much. I love Halloween so much, and I hate that we don't get your treaters where I am. You got to, like, find me. I'm out in the middle of the woods, so. Yeah. <laughs> you can have some fun with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, the the main reason, here's the real reason why I wanted to do it now, not just because GRD did it this week, but... Mm-hmm. Um, because usually, like you said, if you go rent a movie, if you go two days before Halloween, there's nothing going to be there. Right. You're going to be stuck with surf Nazi must, Nazis must die. <laughs> not a bad choice. Not but, a bad. But, but, but no, agree, but not a, not an ideal Halloween choice. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So get get your planning early is what I'm telling you. If you're planning on doing yes. something fun and special, get your planning done early. A lot of horror films, you can pick up for 10 or 15 bucks on Blu-ray at Walmart or Best Buy right now. Or cheaper, yeah, because I've seen like some of these. like, like Ultimate uh, Electronics has got a bunch for 8 bucks this week. And, you know, I've seen, like, Halloween H2O, like, a lot of the Halloween Michael Myers movies on sale yeah. for, like, seven bucks. So, yeah. You're Including absolutely- those Rob Zombie ones, which I can't fathom why those would be cheap. I don't mind the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. I really don't. But anyway. But, uh, yeah, no, no, ab- you're absolutely right. Because, like, uh, you know, people have Halloween parties or whatever, and they want to watch these movies. And, like, surprise, surprise, October 31st comes around, and you can't find them anywhere. So, exactly. no, you're right. You need to buy them while you can. I am going the cheap. Thursday night before Halloween. And you, if you can get off class early again or something like that, you should come for the Rift Tracks House on Haunted Hill, colorized. Oh, nice. Where's it? This is the 30th? Or? Yeah. Uh, no, no. It's on like the 28th or something. Okay. It's a Thursday night. So that's what I'm like. Oh, yeah. I could probably do that. Yeah. As long as I get off class a little bit early. You know what the, what's, what they're doing this year, too? And you should come with uh, in Manitou Springs, the coffin race this year is on a Saturday. Is it? It's on a Saturday. Yeah. It's Saturday morning. You know, we do okay. Manitou Springs coffin race briefly for those yeah, of you. Yeah. We just need to bring. Yeah. yeah uh, maybe I'll bring the camera with me and yeah. take some footage. I'll explain this to the best I can. I don't want to waste too much time talking about this. But here's here's the story, folks. But a year Years, like hundreds of years ago, there was a woman named Emma Crawford, lived in Manitou Springs. She died. She was buried atop a hill not far from the town. There was this huge rainstorm. I'm not making any of this crap up. This actually happened. There was this huge storm, and it, it made the ground so muddy and so wet that it eroded the coffin, which slid down the hill. It slid down the hill. Apparently, the top came off of the coffin. Emma Crawford, like, you know, in the coffin, exposed uh, you know, roaring down the hill, which was uh, the whole town was flooded, and all of a sudden, like people at a bar are going, "Look, there's Emma Crawford," and she's like, literally, like you know, going down wa- the yeah, wading down the down the street, yeah. So anyway, this very ghoulish but quite hilarious incident has inspired the people of Manitou Springs, Colorado, to have the Emma Crawford coffin race every single Halloween or every October. Um, I've gone the last two years. The first year I went with was with Josh two Did years. Did they do ago. a zombie walk this past year? Um, I don't know if they do it. I know there's okay. been a lot of zombie walks. Yeah. And then yeah. Marty went to one of those last year. But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, anyway, they do this every single year, and it's such a blast. It's like all these different companies, um, all these different local businesses and whatever, they trick like the out. the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but with coffin yeah, it's, go-karts. It's almost like, it's like Mardi Gras. Like everybody, they trick out their coffins. You know, it's like a big go-kart race. They, you know, they, they, they get a coffin, but they do theme coffins. And, you know, they have wheels. And, you know, it's a race between these two coffins up and down, you know, for about a mile stretch of road. 
And, you know, it's like NASCAR. If you like NASCAR, like sometimes these coffins, I mean, they, they like, it's a disaster. They crash into the spectators. They fall apart while you're pushing them. They, everybody's like tripping over each other. But then sometimes it's just a really good race. Anyway, so much fun. Check it out online. If you're in Colorado or Colorado Springs, the is, on the, is on the, the 30th this year? Or 30th it? this year. Okay, yeah. yeah, this year's the 30th, so which is a uh, Saturday. But yeah, so much freaking fun. I I, uh, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Okay, I may have to go this year. Yeah, for it's sure. Good, it's a good time because usually because because uh, I know we you haven't gone the last couple of years because they've always been like on a, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday morning. But this year it's on a Saturday, which is great. Nice. So. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. Sweet. Oh yeah. All right, let's talk about what's hitting theaters this week. All right, let's see. <laughs> we Here will we have both films covered this week, sir. <laughs> So you're going to go see this, I you? am so going to go see that movie. All right, well, the movie that we're talking without, about. With, th- without my wife. I'm getting a bunch of guys to get, I'm just saying before you say this. There you go. All of the guys who, who their wives just kind of give them the look when they say they want to see this movie, <laughs> we're all going to go see this together. All right, the, the movie that Dave is, is so cheerfully talking about, of course, would be Jackass 3D with Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O and the usual gang of idiots, this time in 3D. You know, having um, seen Bruno recently, I can only imagine the kind of 3D <laughs> sights you're going to see in Jackass 3D. So you've... Consider that a warning, or some of you guys are going sweet. So yeah, it's funny that everybody has like like most guys I know they have a real problem with like like seeing phalluses in movies. Like it's a real problem, real hang up that guys have is they can't handle like you know seeing a dick on a screen. Part of my language, but like and now like you well, know there's you, four you, giant ones you know in you're blue. See, you know you're gonna. Oh, that's gonna be the first scene. I'm like, just get it out of the way so we can move on with the movie. I'm All willing right. to pay that price, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so you're willing to take it for the team. Also opening this week, the same day as Jackass 3D. I'd be curious to see which one opens up at number one, though I predict it'll be Jackass. Uh, Red with, uh, let's see, this is an impressive cast. This is Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, Helen Mirren, um, Carl Urban. Carl Urban, yes. And uh, uh, John Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Yes, and also opening in limited screens, although it's supposed to be a terrific film directed by Tony Goldwyn, uh, Conviction, a drama with Sam Rockwell and Hilary Swank. Supposed to be an Oscar contender. Sweet. Cool. All right. Well, then what is hitting DVD next week? We're going to we're starting to see the Halloween theme stuff coming out yes. next week. Yes. Some interesting stuff. Uh, Predators. I like this movie. Um, this is of course produced by Robert Rodriguez. It's a direct sequel to the first two films. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, with lowered expectations, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Apocalypse Now coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah, the three disc full disclosure edition. So I think it has like both versions of the movie and all kinds of stuff in it. Hmm. Man, because I thought I already, I thought they already released like the ultimate, the the dossier version was yeah. not like the ultimate edition, but I guess I think it was just redo. Okay, I don't right. know. Well, okay, and then uh, my favorite movie of all time. Speaking of a great Halloween film and just a great movie to watch any day. Shoot, I watched this on Easter. Who are we kidding? Psycho, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. No, I don't. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, the fiftieth anniversary edition on Blu-ray. This is, as you mentioned, Dave. I'm sure this is going to look fantastic. I, I've heard from some people. There's some people inter, uh, imported the UK Steelbook of it because it's region free. A Psycho Steelbook. I yeah, like that. it looks actually pretty flipping cool but they said the transfer is just gorgeous on this thing great oh well i can never get enough of this movie um a movie i teach in my cold underground cinema class right now as we speak uh, probably the most famous cult midnight movie of all time the rocky horror picture show now available in the 35th anniversary blu-ray edition yep so this way you could see tim curry in silk stockings with all the clarity that that blu-ray can give you so you are <laughs> in for a treat glory such a treat no I, you know what this movie needs to be seen with the midnight screen but i gotta say it's a great musical i love the songs in this movie and you know susan sarandon jumping around in her underwear for two hours really what else what else do you want folks really <laughs> all right uh kairo kurosawa is the seventh samurai one of the greatest films of all time now available on blu-ray yeah the criterion blu-ray so they took the three disc set and put it on blu-ray nice nice yeah. oh that's gonna look so good it's, it's such a terrific movie i love it 
100% Absolutely. Right. Uh, oceans. This is Disney's ocean, Disney Nature's ocean. It's funny, like Dave mentioned this, and and I, I'm like, that's right, I've seen this. This this came out on Earth Day, um, but yeah, the Earth Day film. You started oceans. saying 13. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, with like 11, 12, which Soderbergh movies? This, yeah, this is Oceans, and I gotta say, there's some visually incredible, incredible sights. Uh, some really awesome imagery, but you know what? I don't know. It's kind of the movie you have, like if you have like an Earth Day party and you have it like on the background, you have the TV on mute just to have like as as you know atmosphere. I think that's the kind of movie this is. I don't. I can't imagine sitting down and be like, let's watch Oceans. But oh well. All right. All right. Um, oh, this breaks my heart because I'm gonna miss every year this comes out uh, on DVD, and I guess this is the last one. But Tales from the Dark Side, the final season. Do you have I, any of them right now? Um, uh, I'm currently on Netflix. I've got uh. uh the first disc for season three coming to me. I haven't seen season three yet. Okay. Okay. So you know they're going to come out with the full series set. Yeah, you're right. No, I've, yeah, I've not bought any of these for that very reason. I figured they're just going to have one big monster set of these, but uh, yeah, I love these. These are so much fun. Not great, but fun. Yeah. And then let's see Pee Wee's Playhouse, the complete collection. Man. It's like 30 bucks, 36 bucks on Amazon. Wow. Which for the whole thing. For the whole yeah. thing. That's really with terrific. Larry Fishburne. That's where Larry Fishburne is. Cowboy Curtis. Um, and William Marshall, Blackula, as the king of cartoons. That's just special. And Penny Cartoons. I Yeah, this is this is one of the great, great, like 10 greatest Saturday morning uh, TV shows for children and adults ever made. You know, really, you can't go wrong, even if you don't like Pee-wee's, Pee-wee Herman in general. I mean, this is just genius, genius, genius all the way. Um, man, this is a good week. The it Psycho is. Legacy, a documentary about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. I haven't even I seen it. I think this. it has to do with the, 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 all the movies, too. That's great. Because they've got Henry Thomas involved, and yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm a big fan of the whole series, so great, great. Um, Moulin Rouge, now available on Blu-ray. I bet that'll look pretty good. That's a pretty striking looked, film. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it since cool. the theater, so I, I was going to wait actually till next year, because next year is the 10th anniversary. But okay, curious to see how it holds up, or if it doesn't. And then finally, uh, D- Dave threw this title out, and boy, did this sound good, because I'm like, what is this? And then Dave explained it to me, I'm like, Wow, that it, that sounds incredible. And what a perfect show, uh, perfect title for this show. Video Games Live Level 2. And this is, they, they essentially did this in several spots around the country. They take an orchestra and a choir to perform famous video game themes with footage from the games in the background. I, that would, oh, if it ever came here, I would see it in a heartbeat. Where is this? Like, where, where do they have this usually? Do you know I don't know. They, they had one in New Orleans. I, I wouldn't, I would hope that they come to Denver at some point. Yeah, that'd be oh, so very good. That sounds yeah, pure as you would say, Dave. Pure geeky goodness. It is, yes. Oh yes, such goodness. Um, I guess that's about it. So I guess we'll just wrap it up. Uh, yeah. If you want to, no emails or voicemails, but that's all good. If you want to shoot us an email, by all means, do to podcast Dave Barry or Ethan all at screengeeks.com. You can also give us a call at seven one nine three five eight two six seven five. And next week we'll do I don't know something interesting. Seven. We'll we'll we'll, 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 talk, seven. we'll talk about the glorious jackass movie. No. So kidding. So kidding. I would have to see them. I haven't seen any of the Jackass oh, movies. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, they're special. Don't watch the point .5s. Like 2.5 could have lived without seeing because, yeah. We'll talk about that after <laughs> All, All right. right. But, but until Next then. Next week could be our special Jackass episode. Not really, but you know. Until then, this is Dave. This is Barry. Jerking around must have caused a flame out.